anyone. But um, as you can see, the title tonight is The Manna from Heaven. And um, tonight I want to speak to you uh, about how good our God is. Uh, show you a picture and a story of uh, Jesus in the New and the Old Testament. It's an amazing time to be with you again. Welcome to everyone on Facebook and YouTube. Um, greetings in the Lord Jesus Christ. May you be blessed. May you be over, uh, overflowing in grace and mercy. Our God is good. Amen. Never forget that our God, no matter where you are, or what season in your life you are, we always look up to the heavens and we see who is our salvation. It's Jesus Christ. Amen. So tonight I want to share with you, I want to get straight into it. I'm excited because it's a message I've preached. I probably preach this message in a different way, probably five, six times a year. Um, and it's a message that spoke to my heart, set me free, and, and I pray that it, 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 the Lord will edify you in this in this season and this time. And it's probably a message that I've wanted to share for a while. I've shared bits and pieces of it in, 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 in passing, but... I want to share something with you that God is God is building his church. Amen. We shared last week about building the temple and seeing how God builds. We've been seeing how God builds us, us the temple of the Holy Spirit, ourselves. And here is no different. And I want to share with you um, about understanding who Christ is, what Christ has done, and what Christ is doing. A lot of us stop at what Christ done for us, and we stop there. But we need to understand that what's he doing and what's he about to do in our lives, where is he taking us? See, it's a done deal. Like I said last week, God always speaks from a place of a place called done. It's a finished work. He talks about the Alpha and the Omega. He's the, the cornerstone. That was laid. He's the fundamental foundation of our faith, and he's the finisher of our faith, the capstone. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. And you see scripture coming together, and you see how Paul used a lot of analogies in the New Testament and, and in the Old Testament to show who Christ was. So tonight's no different. If I was to ask you a question and say to you, we hear, you know, he sent his word, um, we want to have a balanced teaching of who Christ is. Amen. What Christ has done, what Christ is doing, and what Christ is going to achieve in the long run. But in that process, God's doing a work in us. He said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. You hear a lot of stories in the Old Testament and you, we sort of say, what the hell does that apply to us? And with Jesus. The head of the ram was caught in the bush, in the thorns of the bush. Jesus wore the thorns on his head. And you see Jesus in that story, a picture of Christ. Amen. But if I was to tell you that when the Israelites left Egypt and we've spoken about the water coming out of the rock, speaks of living water, speaks of Christ. We speak about when they were in the, in the sun, in the desert, a cloud followed them. God's presence was with them. In the day, the cloud followed them and covered them. And in the night, fire followed them. Speaking about God's presence and power, the, 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 the smoke in the day or the clouds in the day, the cloud of his glory and the fire of the Holy Ghost, symbolic at night. And in the desert, they didn't have to believe for anything. 
They didn't have to believe. They didn't have to sow. But they had to obey. And we see in the wilderness, you're talking about a bunch of people in the in slavery for over 430 years. And God calls them out of slavery. He, and they see all the miracles. And we don't have to go through all that. And we see the sea parted and they cross. And they see the enemy coming after them and God closes the sea and they all get wiped out. Now they're in the desert. And this is where the lesson starts. This is where God is trying to teach those people about their inheritance and who they really are. And we're going to see this in our lives today. And we're going to and we'll, we'll go from there. And I want to share this. When the Israelites wanted to eat, they were complaining all the time. We've got no meat. It's better to go back to Egypt. They were in lockdown for 430 years. You can say it that way. They had no rights. They were just told what to do and how to do it. They were slaves. And now God's pulled them out of Egypt. They're no longer slaves. But the problem is they still got slave mentality. The problem is they are free. Their God came through. But guess what they had? They had, had a spirit of slavery. They had a mindset of slavery. They had a, a heart that was hardened because of where they came from. And God understood this and he wanted to go on a teacher. But it's an amazing that they wanted to eat. So God sent quail and water. And then one day he sends manna from heaven, the bread from heaven. And every day they ate. And then this bread, we understand that the bread, I mean, we understand in the Bible a lot of the times where they were getting bitten by snakes. And Moses said, Lord, and he says, put up a bronze serpent, put a snake through a, 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 a bronze serpent and put the like a sphere and put it through the snake and put it up. And every time they look upon that bronze serpent, they'll be healed when the snake bites them. Well, we understand that's a picture of the cross. But every time we know, we see Jesus in the Old Testament, he's a lamb. You know, you see he's a sacrifice of a lamb. We see him as a dove. We see him as living water. But as a snake? I mean, never picture Jesus as a snake, do you? You never really attribute Jesus to a snake. That's always attributed to the devil, always attributed to, to Satan and, and, and evil and witchcraft. But here, Jesus says that I'll be, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so the Son of Man will be lifted up, and he'll draw men unto him, unto himself. Why a serpent? Well, we understand and we've taught on this. The serpent represents the curse, represents the enemy, represents everything that's bad. And what Jesus went to the cross, he became a sin who knew no sin. He became a curse that we could be blessed. He became poverty, the curse of poverty. He became shame and guilt. He became everything the devil tried to do. And that's why he's known as the, 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 uh, the one that be lifted up, just like Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert. So we, we see a picture of Christ there. But when we see the manna from heaven, do you see him as the bread of life? Let's have a look at, go to John chapter 6, verse 30. And let's, let's go on a bit of a journey here to see who Jesus really is in this, in this story. John chapter 6, verse 30. And it says here, Therefore they said to him, these are the Pharisees talking to Jesus, What sign will you perform then? that we may see it and believe you. What work will you do? And they go on to say, our fathers, verse 31, our fathers ate the manna in the desert. 
as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And then Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say unto you, Moses did not give you this bread from heaven, but my father gives bread from heaven. My father gives the bread, the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And here Jesus is saying, you think that Moses gave you bread? Do you think that Moses, Moses was their leader? He says, well, let me tell you, my father sent that bread down. That was the bread from heaven. He says, the true bread is the bread, the one that comes down from heaven. He's speaking of himself. We can read this whole chapter and I don't want to because I'll, I'll stay here all night. But let's go down to verse um, 48 in that same chapter. He's, he's talking, he's going and he's telling them. Then all of a sudden he says in verse 48, I am the bread of life. Your fathers, speaking of Moses and all the people from Israel, says your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead now. This bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I'm living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever and the bread that I shall give you is my flesh which I shall give for the life for the world. And here now he's he's bringing these the Jewish people back to reality. He's saying, yes, your forefathers ate manna from heaven. It was supernatural. And we're going to look at this story. But he says, but Moses didn't give it to you. My father in heaven gave it to you. But the true bread, this is what we say, the Old Testament conceals what the New Testament reveals, reveals that the true bread isn't physical bread. What did Jesus say to the devil? When he got tempted, turn these stones into bread. What did Jesus say? Man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The bread of life is Jesus. Bible says that the word became flesh. Jesus, the word, became flesh and dwelt among us. That flesh, that word became flesh is the bread of life. Who died on the cross, whoever eats from Jesus, his words will have eternal life. Amen. He is the bread of life. See, in, in the desert, when they ended up in the desert, if you look at my picture behind me, if you can see it, they camped out in the wilderness. Now, the wilderness had no shops. They couldn't buy or sell. They couldn't grow crops in the desert. It's too hot. There's no soil. There was no system that they could get any food. And was, they were separated from the system of Egypt, the world, and they were separated from any other harvest. That wasn't paradise. See, God's best was not the wilderness. But he said, God says, I'll make a way for you where there is no way. I will give you bread and eat from heaven. Eat this bread and you will live. This is in Exodus and Isaiah. In other words, in the wilderness, I want you to, I want to challenge everyone here today. Hear, me, hear my heart. In the wilderness, if you read the story, they're always complaining and whinging. Never satisfied. They're out out of slavery, they saw the miracle hand of God. God takes them through the sea, parts the sea. They see all the miracles. Now they're in the wilderness, and guess what they're doing? Murmuring and whinging and complaining. Did you bring us out here to die, Moses? At least in Egypt, we had food. At least in Egypt, we had water. 
full, full of milk and honey, a, a promised land. But the wilderness was the training ground. The wilderness was the place where God needed to get their attention to train them up. You know why? If God went from Egypt to the promised land with the abundance that they had and the, the, the vines and everything there for them, beautiful land to grow crops, to herd sheep, to start businesses, it would have destroyed them. You know, you know, people wait to win the lotto. Have you ever heard, can't wait to win the lotto? <laughs> Do you know, statistically, 78%, 78% or 82%, I think it was about 80% of people that win lotto, win a, a big windfall, whether it's casino, horses, jackpot, uh, whatever. Do you know 80% of people are broke in three years after they win it? In three years, they're absolutely broke, statistically. 80% of people. There's a small minute of people that actually make it work. Why? If you want a million dollars tomorrow, if everyone here, let's say someone want a million dollars in this group tomorrow, 80% chance that you'll be broke in three years. Why? Because you've never been taught how to manage it. You still have a slave mentality. We still have a uh, uh, the old nature comes in, greed comes in. Um, all these things come to you. I guarantee you, you get a million dollars now. You see how many knock, knocks on the door you get. See how many friends you get. <laughs> see how many things you want to buy. What happened? This is in 2021. Imagine these guys been in slavery for 430 years. So there's generations. They reckon a generation is anywhere between 20 and 60 years. Most people reckon a generation is 20 to 30 years in the, when you talk about Jewish generations. So if it's 30 years, oh, my maths is terrible, but three generations is nearly 100 years. And there's 400 years they've been in slavery. There's a lot of generations, a lot of stuff passed down, no hope. No security, no no future, no prosperity, no rights. And all of a sudden, what's the devil done? Pharaoh has broken these people down systematically and now they're free and they don't know what to do with their freedom. They're complainers and whingers and murmurers. And God's trying to do something here. God's trying to do something with us. If you go with me, the Second Corinthians, chapter eight, verse ten. I want to go down and paint a picture here. What Paul's trying to do with us, what's doing with this? Now, this is the Corinthian church, and it's a church that Paul birthed, and all the gifts of the Spirit in operation. They were Gentiles; they got saved, and Paul is their leader. This church had all the gifts of the Spirit in operation. And they were out of order. They were rebellious and they were still in sin. So Paul has to address this church, has to address the people. And he also wants them to stick to their word. Now, if you ever look at Corinthians, you'll see that Paul says there's sin, sins among you in this church that aren't even among the Gentiles. So this is how <laughs> this is how fallen they were. They thought that they had the gifts of the spirit. 
in Corinthians, this is where you see Paul talk about the, the Lord's Supper and not taking that unworthily. He talks about the love chapter. Love is patient, love is kind. But it also talks about the gifts of the Spirit and having order about the gifts of the Spirit. There's so much to the book of Corinthians. But out of nowhere, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul holds them to their word. Look what he says here. Let me go to it. I'm telling you to go there. I'm not even there. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse, let's start from 10. And this is Paul speaking to you, and I'll give you advice. It's to your advantage. Listen to me. Listen very carefully, everyone. This is Paul speaking to the Corinthian church about giving, but watch. And this is to your advantage. Don't get comfortable. You settled in your heart what you wanted to do. Now do it. And he says in the beginning of that, what we just read, he says, it's to your, oh, let me give you some advice. It's to your advantage. Hallelujah. Sometimes we think giving is not to our advantage. But let me give you a little advice. It's to your advantage that you keep doing what you promised to do. But in 15, he says, he who gathered a lot had nothing left over. But he who gathered a little didn't lack any good thing. I want to show you this whole story in Exodus chapter 16. And let's go on a journey and I'll show you what I mean. I want you to understand that Paul's using an Old Testament story to teach a New Testament revelation. It's very important that we get this revelation, especially now we're coming out of lockdown. People are losing their jobs. People have lost their jobs. People don't know where they're going. Businesses are going broke. Work is not as good as it was. And all these things. Now we're coming into a so-called freedom. We were always free, amen? But so-called systematic freedom. I want to share this with you to understand that God is ultimately your provider. Jesus Christ, not only does the provide, does he doesn't just give you provision, he is your provider. Amen? Let's go. Exodus chapter 16 and verse 11. Pick it up from verse 11. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, I have heard the murmurings of your children of Israel. Speak unto them saying, this evening you shall eat flesh. And in the morning you shall be filled with bread. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God. Verse 13. And it came to pass that in the evening the quails came down, came up and they covered the camp, sorry. And in the morning the Jew lay round about the host. And when the Jew they lay was gone, behold, upon the face of the wilderness they lay small round things, as small as the frost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw this, they said to one another, what is this manna? And the word manna doesn't mean bread originally. It means, what is it? What is it? And in other words, manna means, what is it? For they wanted to know what it was. And Moses said unto them, this is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. So they woke up in the morning and when the Jews subsided, they saw manna. They go, what is it? He said, this is bread to eat. The Lord said to them, is bread to eat. What is that a type and shadow of, guys? Bread. Come on. Jesus. What was, now I want to share this with you. Paul's talking about he who gathered much had nothing left over, but he who gathered little had an abundance. 
We know that the bread is a type of Jesus, okay? Moses spoke to the people. Look at this, verse 25. We're going to jump down to 25. Moses is instructing him now. So now they're coming out like the picture behind me. They're coming out grabbing all this manna off, off the ground. Bread. They're freaking out. And they're grabbing it. And look what Moses says in verse 25. He says, eat that to that day. Get enough for that day. And on the day of the Sabbath unto the Lord, you shall not find any on the field. On the sixth day you shall gather, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, in there there shall be none. And it came to pass, they went out and some people on the seventh day for gathering and they found none. I want to share this with you. If you read the whole story, it tells you this. You go outside and you gather enough for your family. If you have 10 people in your tent, five people, whatever, gather enough for one day, right? Listen to me. And then when you gather enough for one day, then you, you feed on that. And then tomorrow, get out and do the same thing. But on the Sabbath day, which is the holy day, the Sabbath day, I'll single enough for the Sabbath. In other words, gather more and gather enough for yourself from Friday sundown to Sunday sunup. That was their Sabbath. And the manna will be enough for you. But don't come out on the Sabbath. That's a day of rest. That's the day of worship. There'll be none there. What did they do? They came out to get some manna. And God rebukes them. What did they do? Now listen to this. It's very interesting. He says to don't gather. It's too much. But I want to share something with you. Let's go back to verse. This is very interesting. Back to verse 16. If you bear with me. So on the Sabbath day, they came out. There was none. So the Lord said, I'll give you enough on the Friday beforehand to have enough through this holy day. True? He was testing them. He was saying, get enough. Trust me. There'll be enough for you. But look what he says in verse 16. He says, don't forget that I fed you in the wilderness. Look what he says. Oh, wrong one. Sorry, guys. Let's go back one. I'll get my phone. In, in Exodus, let's go to verse 15, sorry. Say amen when you get there. You can't. You're on, you're on mute. He's speaking to them. Let me just pick it up for you there, and I'll show you exactly where we're going. Hallelujah. So now he's telling them, gather, gather enough for you and your family. They gave any more. We don't need to get any more than what we need. Why? If the manna could last, Chapter 16, sorry guys, chapter 16. And verse, let's go down to verse 17. I said 15, we can go from 15 to 17. So I want to give you the background here. Verse, we're going to read from verse 17, guys. Sorry about that, malfunction. So he said, get enough manna, some bread for your family, but don't get any more. And look what he says here. Then the children of Israel did so and gathered some more, some less. So when they measured it by the omers, he gathered much, had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. Exactly what Paul said to the Corinthian church. 
He says, now look at this. Every man had gathered according to each one's need. And Moses said, let no one leave any of it till morning. Notwithstanding that did not need bread, Moses he, But some of them left the part of it until the morning and it, the bread worms and stunk. And Moses was angry with them. So they gathered it every morning, every man according to his need. And when the sun became hot, it melted. And it was so on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread because it was the Sabbath day. Now stop right there. God says to them through Moses, gather enough just for your family. Don't leave it to the next day. Don't think there's not going to be some tomorrow. Eat it all, okay? And he was saying, he who gathered more and left it for tomorrow, it went moldy and it grew worms. And he who gathered enough had abundance. What was he trying to say here, guys? He was saying, trust me. Jesus, God was trying to teach him. Listen to me. God was trying to teach him, you've come out of slavery and you have a poverty mentality. You feel like there's not going to be enough. And God was saying to them, listen, just gather enough for you. Trust me here. And every morning when you get up, there'll be enough. And on the Sabbath, before the Sabbath, I'll give you more to last you through the Sabbath. But my question always was this. If they had enough, if God could make the bread last two days, so from Friday night, sundown, which is this, that was the Sabbath, till Sunday morning, sun up. If the bread could last two days, why did the bread go moldy every other day if they left it for the next day? God, God could have obviously made that manna last for the whole seven days. Could he not? Absolutely. We know he did it on the Sabbath, right? Why didn't it last? Why did it go moldy? Why did it melt? Let me tell you why. Because God wanted them to get up every morning and realize that God will provide for their needs every day. God just want to throw it out there. He said, trust me. And they didn't trust him. And that's what Paul was saying to the Corinthian judge. Remember that lesson? Listen, those who gathered more than they needed had nothing left over. But those who gathered enough did not go without. Isn't that a type of our Lord? Isn't that our Lord Jesus when he says, don't build yourselves treasures on earth, but build treasures in heaven? Didn't he talk about the rich man and Lazarus who had a who, who had a plenty and never gave the poor man nothing? Even the dogs ate the crumbs and they licked his swords. Isn't it like the man who had a barn? He says, what am I going to do? I've got an abundance. I'll make another barn. And then he says, you poor fool. Tonight, your soul is required of you and died. Listen to me. God is providing our needs according to his riches and glory. Now, you might be thinking, what's it going to do with me? I'm not in slavery. I'm not in the desert. But listen to me. Who he is ready? Who he now is looking for a miracle, financial miracle? Right now. I am. I'm sure you are. And yet God's trying to teach us something that he is our provider. Hallelujah. He will provide. Listen to me. He's saying don't panic about what you don't have. Don't sow what you don't have. Sow what you have. And he's saying here, don't gather on yourself too much riches. And what he means by this is this. Let me say something. Don't trust in the system around you. See, the Israelites couldn't even trust in the system because there was no system. They were in the wilderness. 
They couldn't trust the system of Rome, uh, sorry, of uh, Egypt because it was gone and they had no rights there. They weren't in the promised land yet. They couldn't sow to reap because there was a desert. They couldn't build nothing because they're in the desert. There's nothing there. And here God's saying, trust me. Listen to me and be obedient because they weren't. If you read further down, he rebukes Moses and says to him, they're rebellious, they don't listen. The ones that had too much, they didn't trust God. And the ones that went out to get bread on the Sabbath, didn't trust God. Isn't it interesting that God was trying to train them in the wilderness? Whatever you're going through right now, what is Jesus trying to teach you right now? So I'm not speaking out of theory. I'm speaking out of experience. You see, God's provided my needs in times of trouble. And I praise God for it. I needed something, it came through. But can I say this to you? I lived in a wilderness where God was providing my needs, but that wasn't God's best for me. That wasn't where I wanted to be. That wasn't a land flowing for milk and honey. Even though God, by grace, kept my clothes not wearing out. And he sent meat from heaven and manna from heaven and 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 um, uh, uh, water from the rock. I've seen those miracles in my darkest days. But God was trying to show me something. But that's not where I want you to stay. Wherever you are now, that's not where you're staying. Hallelujah. You keep walking and following the voice of the Lord because He's trying to build something. Just like He's building the body of Christ. Just like He's building His church. He's building you to get out of the place of inheritance. Hallelujah. The place where they had to be was in the promised land. And when they got there, guess what they saw? Giants. We can't take these giants. Do you know the sad thing? That generation saw the hand of God through Moses. They saw miracles that you and I haven't even seen till today. And yet not one of them possessed the land. Not one of them walked into their inheritance. Not one of them lived in a place of prosperity or abundance. They live in a place of lack and defeat and they lived in a place of the wilderness. And I don't care, and I say this to people all the time, I love the miracles you get in your life. But you're getting the miracles in the desert. And that's a great place to start, but it's not where God wants you. And the quicker you learn the lesson, hear, me, hear, hear my heart, the quicker we learn the lesson, the quicker, because in the Old Testament, like Rab said last week, the Old Testament was a place. The promised land was a place. In the New Testament, it's a position. But I'm afraid that a lot of us believers still live with a poverty, slavery mentality and don't understand what our inheritance really is. We do not understand where God's taken us. And sometimes we look at this and we say, all right, what are you on about, Tony? I'm on about the fact that Paul was showing to the Corinthian church, don't hoard up things for yourself and think you're not going to go without because you'll go without. And folks who have an abundance knowing God, is, see, I less, you know what, I praise God for what he gives me, but I praise God for who he is. See, I can praise you for the gift you give me and I can give you a gift. So thank you for the gift. But I thank your lives for who you are. Just like 
my Father in heaven, I praise him every day, whether I'm in lack or whether I'm in abundance, I praise him for who he is. So when I do get, I understand where it came from. You see, in Deuteronomy 28, let's go there for a second, I'll come back. Deuteronomy 28. Sorry, Deuteronomy 8, verse 28. Hallelujah. Go there with me. I want to show you something here. This all ties in. Hallelujah. This is God speaking before they entered the promised land. Now, I want to warn everyone here today. Do you know that whole generation died in the wilderness except Caleb and Joshua? Do you know they didn't learn the lesson? Do you know they saw the greatest acts of God but didn't understand the ways of God? Yeah, 828. They knew the acts of God. Go to 8, sorry, 8. Deuteronomy 8 verse 11, sorry. We'll get to 28, verse 11. The Israelites, the Jewish people, saw the acts of God. They saw Moses perform curses on Pharaoh. They saw the miracles of God all through the desert. But guess what happened? They knew the acts of God, but didn't understand the ways of God. You know what? The acts of God are beautiful. When Jesus went to the cross, that was an act of God's mercy on our life. But now he's trying to teach us his ways. That's why they were called the people of the way. The early church were the people of the way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says, my ways are higher than your ways. Hallelujah. I'm getting on a rant right here. Look what it says in Deuteronomy. Now, this is before they get into the promised land. And he says, I want to read this whole thing. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God, not keep his commandments his judgments and his statues, which I command to you today, least when you have eaten and are full and, uh, and, and built beautiful houses and dwell in them. And when your, heart, your herds and your flocks are multiplied and your silver and your gold are multiplied and that you have is all multiplied, when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land. And there there was no water who brought water for you out of the flinty, uh, flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, and that he might humble you and that you might test you to do you good in the end. Then you say in your heart, my power and my might of my hand have gained me all this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that you may be established his covenant, which he swore with your forefathers as of this day. He's given them a warning. You're on the gates of the promised land. And here you're going to have houses and barns full. And you're going to have a harvest with your with your vineyards and you have all the abundance in the world. But don't harden your hearts and think that you did something. 
Don't harden your heart. Even though you sowed and you reaped and you gave and you sold and you built and you all, guess what? It is God who gives you the, the power to create wealth. Listen to me. Let me say it this way. It is God who will give you a strategy to get you through your tough times. It is God who is your provider. It is God, forget what the system's doing and what the world's doing. Guess what? God is your provider. Look what he says here right at the end. Remember, verse 18, and you shall remember that the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is this day. Let's, New Testament. What Paul was saying, listen, God's blessed you in this time. Build up your brothers in another state. Build up the church in Israel. They're in a famine. Don't keep doing what is right. Don't forget that whatever God's blessed you with is to build his covenant, his new covenant, his kingdom, the church, the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Don't harden your hearts and think that you've done something. He is your provider. My question today, if the manna from heaven is talking about Jesus and the water that comes out of the rock is talking about Jesus and the quail, the meat, is the meat of the word is talking about Jesus, then what is Paul trying to say? Do you trust Jesus? Is he your provider? I know I could probably say 100% that everyone on this Zoom meeting would call Jesus their saviour. They understand that Jesus is their saviour. A lot of us would understand that Jesus is our healer. A lot of us understand that Jesus is the word that become flesh. But do you see Jesus as your provider? Is he the one that provides your needs according to his riches and glory? Do you believe that whatever I have today, I'll have provision tomorrow? Do you believe that? Because we have to understand that Paul wasn't just making nice uh, speech here. He wasn't just teaching something that he didn't believe in. He's teaching that the fact is that God is our provider. And God was teaching them something. Is God teaching us something today? Someone said to me the other day, I've built enough wealth to support my family no matter what happens. I go, praise God, that's awesome. Until they pull the plug out of whatever you're relying on, can you still provide for your family? Your job is not your provider, although we have to work. The Bible says a lazy man does not feed his family. He's lower than a dog. This is not about what I do. And how I do it. It's about what God's put on my heart to do. You see, when they got into the promised land, not everybody was a farmer. Not everybody was a, knew how to farm. Not everyone was a shepherd. Not everyone knew how to herd. Some people didn't know how to count. Not everyone was a businessman. Some people did, you know, whatever God's placed on your heart, you do. But I want you to understand, doesn't matter what you do. Doesn't matter what line of work you're in, what kind of profession you're in, what kind of business you're in. Is your hands are for made for the Lord. Do you use that for the kingdom of God? Do you Are you struggling in an area of your life? Are we praising God for the miracles when we're 
just about about going down and bang, God saves us. Down, but God's blessing is abundance. Do we understand him as our provider? Do you understand that he's the manna from heaven? He's our spiritual manna for salvation, eternal life, and our provision. You see, I can't outgive God. All right, so I can never outgive God. I can never ever get more, give more than God's ever given me. He can't do that. But I also cannot give God and say, I've done something for you, God. In other words, I can give God whatever I want, as much as I can. But I can never also say to him, look what I've given you, Lord, you owe me. Does that make sense? Because whatever I have given to him, he gave us a lot more. He gave us Jesus on that cross. And the Bible says that while Jesus, the Bible says while he was rich, not speaking about money, while he was rich, in other words, he was in heaven in royalty. He became poor. So he stepped down from heaven, put on the suit of Adam and took on the curse of poverty. You can be poor but not be in poverty. He, he became poor and took on poverty that we can become rich or blessed. While he was rich, he became poor and took on poverty that we become rich. See, the Father in heaven doesn't want you to struggle. Doesn't want you to be in lack. Poverty is a curse in the scripture. Don't let anyone tell you any different. Bible says poverty is a curse. You can help no one in poverty. You can't help your family in poverty. And you can't help yourself in poverty. I can be poor. I can abstain from things if I want to. But poverty is curse. It's famine, pestilence, lack, nakedness. That's not us. Bible says I've never seen the righteous forsaken or begging for bread. God is our provider. No matter the climate, no matter the situation, no matter where you're at, God is your provider. I'm speaking from experience. I'm speaking, I'm listening to me, I'm speaking from experience. I'm speaking from a place where I didn't know where my next dollar was going to come from. I've been there. And I'm not telling you it was easy. Trust me, these guys were getting manna every morning, but it wasn't easy coming out every day in the sun. Wasn't easy being in the wilderness. Wasn't easy knowing what, what, where we're going. But God was trying to train them up, and He's trying to train us up to understand Him. For the kingdom of God suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. We get mashed around a bit, but God is our provider. What is God asking us to do? See, God is building us on the inside to lack no good thing. And he blesses us abundantly. But not just for us. See, I've heard so many messages over the years about being prosperous and doing this and doing this. Listen, the first place you're going to get to is understanding that God is your provider. And when I get to that place, doesn't matter what I've got or what I haven't got. doesn't determine who God is. But I need to understand the lesson of the manner. I need to understand that God is my provider. And God is taking us for this place because we're, we're, we're going through a situation now 
as a body of Christ to understand. And I can honestly say, can I say this? This our ministry, it's not a big ministry. I was able to bless many in need at many different times here and around the world. We've been able to, from the generosity of people, but out of the abundant grace of God in our life. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken or begging for bread. So I know people have to make some strong decisions about their future here. I need you to understand, take it to the Lord, get directions from the Lord, and it's not over because God is your provider. God is providing all your needs. I've had God bless me in the wilderness, but let me tell you, I'll never, I'll never change those times in my life. I've never changed those times in my life, but that's not where I want to be. I want to be in the abundant grace of God. I want to be in the promised land of God. I want to be in the heart of God, knowing what God is. I want to be like when Peter says, do we have to pay tax? He must have been Lebanese for sure. Do we have to pay tax? He says, yeah. Well, whose face is on the coin? Caesar. All right, we'll give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God. But just, you know, we're kings. We don't have to pay tax, but listen. So we don't offend them. Go and there'll be coins in the fish's mouth. God provided their needs. Loaves and loaves and uh, loaves of bread and fish multiplied them. God provided their needs. God is our provider, and yeah, we know Him as our Savior and our Lord. We know Him as our Healer. We know Him as our Deliverer. We do you know Him as your provider? And this is very heavy on my heart because I know what we go through. I, I get calls every day, and I don't have answers. I don't give financial answers. And sometimes I learn a big lesson in the wilderness to take stock of where I am. A lot of people don't want to change when they're going through a hard time. They don't want to change anything around them. They want to keep that lifestyle. So they go and do some silly things, that, and I'm one of them. But sometimes you got to let go of some stuff to get you to where God wants you to go. And I'm not here to tell you do this and do that, take this and take. That's not what I'm here to say. I'm here to say that tomorrow when you wake up, God will have manna outside your door. What is God trying to tell? What is God doing in this situation in your life? Hallelujah. I'm excited and I'm, I'm, I'm heavy burdened about this because I know there's major situations out there for people. But God is coming through. Hallelujah. I heard a, a testimonies of, People who lost their job and thought, what am I going to do? And, then, and a business venture opened up in front of their eyes and, and they got a new job somewhere. Or, man, I never thought I'd ever leave that job and now I'm doing something else. Or businesses, you know, there's so many amazing things that God is doing right now. Sometimes God will say, let go of that. Sometimes it's not, stand firm on that. Whatever God's telling you to do, but understand that he's your provider. Go to him. If, if, if you lack anything like that, go to him. Sit with him. Let him speak that wisdom of God in your heart. Let him understand your heart because you understand his heart for your life. I really, really believe this. And it's according to your faith. These guys had the voice of Moses instructing them, take this, don't do that, stop that. God's rebuking you. God's blessing you. Well, he was a type and shadow of the Holy Spirit. 
But who's guiding us now? The Holy Spirit. There's no shadow and type anymore. We have the real thing. We have the real deal. God is our provider. And some people need to stop giving and some people need to start giving. Whatever God puts on your heart. God doesn't ask you for what you don't have. He only asks you for what you do have. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I think just to encourage some people here today, don't ever say to yourself, well, what do I do next? Say to yourself, Lord, what do I do next? Lord, where do you want me to go next? Lord, you have me in the palm of your hand. Where do I go? That's a true trust in God. Because in that last day, in Revelations, they won't trust him. They'll fall for everything. What are you standing for? I'm standing on the fact that Jesus loves me. And on the cross, he broke the curse of poverty and lack. And he's my provider. Your reaction to what he does is amazing. And the sad thing is the people of Israel never walked into that promised land. And you know what they did? They did harden their hearts. And they thought they could do whatever they want. And they started to worship, worship foreign gods. They turned away from God. Because the heart of man is above things all evil and wicked. But we understand that God's working on our heart right now. And he's going to get the this message across to you to understand that the manna from heaven is Jesus. It's our eternal life. He's also our provider. The Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. God will bless a non-believer because of you. Because they'll turn around and say, why do you have work and they don't? I get calls every day from people. Why do you have work and we don't? And I say to him, God is my provider. Whether they're believers or not. Do you want some work? Let me find you some work. God is our provider. You don't earn the amount of calls I get from good tradesmen that can't, haven't got enough work to keep going because people went broke, people aren't going ahead, and yet I have an abundance. Let's go. What do you need? Can I? I'm testifying to this because it's been tough. Business is tough. But God is our provider. God according to his riches and glory. God will supply all our needs. you got to remember, whatever you do, and this is to the young people who are studying, and this is to me, everything you're doing and studying and working for, guess what? It's for the kingdom of God. And we get to participate in that and be blessed with the overflow. I had this great story, and I'll finish up on this. There's a... And I, there's a man that was a faithful giver to the Lord. And he worked six days a week and always had Sunday off, no matter what, doesn't care. And he, you know, the, the cap machines, those earth-moving equipment, he was a believer. And he was a faithful giver. He gave to God. He had business. It was tough. He went through all those things that we go through. And he always gave to the Lord. Look what he said. It was amazing. I don't know if I don't know if many people could do this. He said to the Lord, I'm going to give you what's rightfully yours. And he had this, this impression on his heart. He was giving the Lord 
10%, he was a faithful old school tither, okay? And whatever the Lord put on his heart, he would give above that. And the Lord blessed him with his multi-million dollar industry. And as he was going, he started to increase his giving. The Lord stood to earth. Finally, he, he got to a place where he was living off 10% of the profits and giving 90% to the Lord. Now, I'm not suggesting you do that. All right? He heard from God. And someone said to him, but you don't need to do that much. He said, listen, the 10% of what I'm living off today is a lot more than 90% I used to live off. In other words, when he first started his business, he was living off 90% and giving 10 to the Lord, which is biblical, yeah? But when he got started the blessing with millions and millions and millions, he said, Lord, I'm going to stay, I'm going to live off 10% now and give you the 90. And he blessed the kingdom of God in many different ways. And if he said, but if you think about it, the greed of man would think, but I'm giving 10% of billions of dollars now. Because you know what? Living off the 10% and giving the Lord the 90%, God, the Lord could trust me with the money for the kingdom. Because his 10% now was a lot more than his 90% what he used to live off. But we in the flesh, what do we say? We say, no, that can't be do that. You know why? We would justify why we wouldn't have to do it. But he did it. Because his heart was for the Lord. And they went through depression and they went through a lot of business problems and God always provided for him. And it wasn't the fact that he was giving God, his heart was for God and God could trust him. Because if God can get it to you, he wants to be able to get it through you. God won't send you broke to bless someone else. God doesn't love someone else more than you. That's silly. God doesn't want you to get into debt to give to the kingdom. That's silly. But God will provide your need. And if you can just wake up in the morning and say, thank you, Father, for my provision. All things come from you. And understand whatever situation you're in, and I don't know the situation we're in, but God is trying to train us as the body of Christ because with it, we all want to see the miracles of God healing the sick and raising the dead. But what about the miracle of provision? What about when they shut the economy down and everyone goes broke? Who are we going to trust in? The government? No, we're going to trust in our Lord. Paul said, whether I had abundance or lack, I was content in all things. And that story blew me away years ago. Because he was living off 10 and, and giving the 90. He says, but my 10 today is a lot more than the 90 I used to live off. Because God was able to bless me and abundantly. He could get it through me. How powerful is that? How powerful to understand and know that God is our provider. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, God is your provider. So I want to encourage you in that area to understand he who gathered much, had nothing left over, but he who gave it enough had an abundance that he didn't go without. Father, I thank you for everyone listening to my voice. And I pray, Father, I pray, Lord, that our hearts are open up to understand that you are a Father that provides for your children, that all good things come from above. Lord, that we rebuke the devourer over everyone's situation, financial and from their businesses and their work, Father. Lord, I ask you to, to devour or be removed and you put your mighty hand upon every person here tonight, that you will break through, that in the wilderness, where they couldn't sow, they couldn't reap, you provided, 
how much more people of faith and hope. Lord, I break the curse of poverty over people's mindsets, over their hearts in Jesus' name. There is no curse in Christ. I bless them, Father, abundantly, Lord. Lord, show him a, show him a way when there is no way. When the sea was in part of them, the sea was blocking them and the enemy was coming after them. Father, you opened the sea and you sent them into the promised land. Lord, I pray right now that the promised land has been, a, the windows of heaven have already been opened because of the blood of Jesus. And I thank you, Father, for a willing heart to listen. For their eyes are fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher of their faith. That all good things come from above. I thank you, Lord, that you said, look at the sparrow. God, does, the Father feeds them. They don't go without. How much more you? How much more me? God did not withhold anything. They sent his only son, not just to die for the sin of man, but to break every curse, to be our provider, to be our healer, to be our deliverer, to be, he, to be the manna from heaven. Our Lord, we're prosperous in your sight. We are the head and not the tail. We don't lack any good thing. The devil's a liar and the father of all lies, but you are the truth. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but you came to give us life and life more abundantly. And Lord, I ask to bless everyone in the sound of my voice. Lord, that freely that I receive, freely that I give. I stand on your word. Your word is true. Guide them, Holy Spirit. Show them, rip off that veil of hopelessness and let them understand they're their children of the king and children of the king do not go without. I thank you, Father. It's according to our faith. Lord, increase our faith that we may believe and receive what the Father has for us. I thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for the lesson of the matter that you will provide our need every day. We won't hoard up for us in fear and we won't have fear of lack. We know that you are our provider. We thank you for that. We thank you for those who hear this word and receive it as the seeds falls onto good soil. Look up and see your salvation. Look up and see the provision of the Lord. Lord, I don't thank you for what you give me. I thank you for who you are the giver. And then out of that, I receive the blessing. I thank you, Holy Spirit. I sow a seed in everyone's heart of faith and belief and trust. And I give you praise. We have been told to walk as children of light. The light attracts people. Let them see the goodness of God in our hearts. And we give you praise and honour. We break the poverty mentality, the slave mentality. Every person on the sound of my voice, let their spirit rise up and know that you are children of the king. You are sons and daughters of a king who has the cows on a thousand hills. Abundant flow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, bless you guys. I thank you guys to understand that God is your provider and he understands how much he, we need things. But let me soften your hearts to understand he'll never leave you nor forsake you. 
And I give you praise for that, Father. I thank you. This is a training ground for bigger and better things. We bless you and we love you. And I don't think we're on a Thursday. I don't think we're back Wednesday in person. It will be live streamed and we'll look forward to further announcements. If you're listening online on and on Facebook and YouTube, and if you don't know Jesus as your Lord, the Bible says that if you repent and you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he died and rose again, and confess it with your mouth, you shall be saved. Bow your hearts to the Lord. He's the only one that can provide all your needs. And he'll take you on a journey you'll never forget. Be blessed. I love you. We all love you here. Stay in touch. And we'll see you next week. God bless. Bye-bye.